vital and essential things. First off, look at Acts chapter 1, verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So when the Holy Spirit is control, in control, this is number one, you are baptized with the Spirit in order to become a witness about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Verse 8 of this chapter says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So the baptism of the Spirit has to do with what happened to you at conversion. It happens when you get saved. We've seen in John 14 to 16, Jesus talking to the disciples in the upper room. But after he dies, those same disciples go and hide in that same room. And, and they hide until their baptism in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And I want you to notice, this is our first point for study. Baptism and filling are opposite in meaning, in the sense that baptism is your immersion into something, while filling is something being inserted into you. So they started off hiding because they were afraid of the Jews, but after that Holy Ghost baptism, they are now speaking boldly to those same Jews about the Messiah that they had just crucified. Why? Well, look at chapter 2. You can see in chapter 2, verse 5, 7, 8, and 13, that when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are now acting under the influence and you are less intimidated, and you're forward and brash, and you will even talk to some strangers because drunks are everybody's friend. Two people are everybody's friend. The people who are at the interchange asking you for money and people who are drunk. And so, and so now Peter, the one who chickened out three times before the rooster crowed, he stands up here in verse 14 of chapter 2 of Acts, and he says, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. Ain't no bars open at 9 a.m. Uh, but what has us acting like this is the Holy Spirit produces this in our lives. So the Spirit is going through us in the way that he promised in Isaiah 28 to give you all a sign of impending judgment if you do not listen to the gospel. Verse 4, verse 4. Then they that gladly received the word were baptized in, in water this time. And the same day were added unto them, to that church in Jerusalem, about 3,000 souls. That's why we know water baptism has nothing to do with you being saved, uh, you becoming a Christian. Uh, baptism, water baptism, has to do with church membership in the sense that it is your physical confession about the spiritual baptism that you had in getting saved. And not everyone in Acts, the book of Acts, who is saved uh, and baptized ends up speaking in tongues. So this is my second point for study. Speaking in tongues is no longer the visible manifestation of the baptism with the Holy Ghost, but wagging your tongue is. See, watch. This is what the Holy Spirit produces. 
Peter is put on trial by his enemies, but this time he ain't running scared. He got some guts, and those guts came from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now go to Ephesians chapter 5, because if you are a CIA Christian, if you are a stealth believer, and nobody knows that you're a Christian but you, then the Holy Spirit is apparently not in control. Because the Holy Ghost gives you boldness so as to normalize telling others the gospel about how to get eternal life. That is what we need to normalize in our lives. So the Holy Ghost gives you boldness by putting you in the right place at the right time with the right words. And, and we are farming the produce of the Holy Spirit. So this is the first manifestation, the first production. What, what is The first one is that boldness. So what is the second one? Look at verse 18 of Ephesians 5. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is, is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay, so let's start first with a basic spiritual and hymns. And spiritual songs, that's one thing. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, that's a second thing. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's the third thing. So third, when the Holy Spirit is in control, this is number three. You are flowing with the Spirit into praise and practice. See, verses 19 and 20 are all really statements of praise, both public and private, So when the Spirit of God takes control, you start to display worship with your praise. I mean, either with your mouth or with your mind, you are giving affirmation and confession in adoration. And I need you to know something about that word melody. Do you see the word melody there? Uh, you, You are psalms and hymns. You are making melody, verse 19. And that word melody means to twitch and to twang. I mean, literally, that's that's the word that Paul used. That's what it means. Now, I did not say twerk. But I am not making this up. And you understand this because our society lives off their songs and music influences us. But did you know that you could get our praise lists every Sunday up on Spotify? I mean, every Sunday we try and put the praise list up on Spotify. So instead of Lil Wayne, how about a little worship? And instead of Ed Sheeran, how about adoration? And instead of Jason Aldean, how about some blessing? And I know you like a liar, but how about hallelujah? And Lizzo and Cardi B, okay, but how about some Thanksgiving, what do you say? I mean, can you imagine watching a movie with no soundtrack? I mean, they they call it pop music for a reason because it pops up every place. So songs infiltrate and influence our lives, and that is the product you feel when you are spirit-filled and flowing. So if you have to drag yourself to this church every Sunday... And if giving God the first dime of out of every dollar in the first day of every week and the first part of every day is something your heart's not really into, then you're not being controlled by the Spirit. You are not filled and flowing. The Spirit wants us to have this time together. 
And, and, and the Spirit wants you and me and us in Him to have one day away from the world in convocation with His Bible. And that is the reason we have a praise team that you need to be on. Since, I mean, look at the fifth point for study. Since whatever you are full of on the inside, it is going to flow out of your life onto others. So our worship set is really also a part of being spirit-filled. Now let me press pause parenthetically because that point is due some importance. And since I really want you to catch this Bible doctrine, I'm going to use Bible typology to explain the biblical theology. And this is what I call the doctrine of the flowing of the Holy Spirit. This is my my sidewalk theology. I've never seen this in any of my thick and dense books on theology. Uh, But I'm going to use typology to illustrate New Testament truths. So let's not limit ourselves to the filling. When the biblical goal of filling is really flowing, and our praise has to run all the way down to practice. So watch, John chapter 4, John 4 verse 13. Jesus answered and said unto the Samaritan woman, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. The water in the well that you're about to get from me. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give them shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Okay, the filling is actually a fountain. So first, this is letter A. The Holy Spirit is pictured as an overflowing spring. So there's one baptism that happened when you got saved. The Holy Spirit did it. That's 1 Corinthians um, 13, verse 12 to 14. So one baptism, but constant filling. Now, it only, the only reason it looks like you have to be filled over and over again is uh, because you have unvacated space. But the faucet is always open. The fountain is always running. So you being baptized into Christ, God put you in Christ. Uh, Then he put the Holy Spirit in you. And then your soul is circumcised spiritually from your flesh, which Colossians 2.11 says. And then that initiates a spring or a fountain for the life-giving, quickening Holy Spirit's production in your life and then out of your life. Second, second. Look at John chapter 7, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood. So this is the closing ceremony. And the high priest has just come out with a pitcher of water and just poured it out in front of everybody. Well, at that moment, Jesus stands up and cries, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. But Jesus is glorified now. So the Holy Spirit was sent in Acts chapter 2. And he instituted a peculiar relationship with all church-age saints. And that relationship is shown in our worship, in our praise, in our positive ministry practice. So now, and this is letter B, the Holy Spirit is likened to an ever-flowing river. I mean, this is a mystery that never existed before. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27 calls it, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Well, whose glory? God's glory. Uh, your glory. 
others' glory. You operating through the Holy Ghost is their only hope, Obi-Wan. So what is implanted as a fountain should flow as a river so much so that now, now when you look at Ezekiel chapter 47 verse 1, and this is a great passage because all the way from chapter 44 to chapter 48, God has taken Ezekiel in the spirit and he's taken Ezekiel and he's showed him, he's taken him forward in time in the millennium to the millennial temple. And an angel is laying it all out for him. And verse one says, afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house and behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. So this is letter C, the Holy Spirit now becomes an overflowing healing stream because that's what happens in the context there in the first 12 verses of Ezekiel 47. So these physical conditions, these Old Testament descriptions are a Bible type of the Spirit's intended spiritual productions through the believer. So that water, the work of the Holy Spirit from the Millennial Temple, pictures the work of the Holy Spirit through the normal Christian believer in the normal Christian life because your body is now the sanctuary of the Holy Ghost. So here's our sixth point for study. From the Holy Spirit temple of your body are to issue ever-increasing streams of divine water in this life to give life and healing to the world, to give faith and love and hope to the world. You want to know how to complete the Great Commission? You better factor in everything God has given you and that you have. Spirit filling has to produce spirit overflowing, and this happens so naturally that next, and I know this is politically incorrect, but back in Ephesians 5, look at verse 21. It says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's, that is produced by the Holy Spirit. That's how we know. That's a visible manifestation of the Holy Spirit in you. So let's let the Holy Ghost control us. Because then, number four, you are submitted to the authority of Christ through the structure of this church. So the fourth key production when the Holy Spirit controls is you submit. To whom? Well, to one another. Well, how can I do that? Well, because you fear God. Now, doesn't this go so counterculture to, to today? I mean, to our society today? I mean, that's why you, you know, the, God gave you, Jesus gave you the Holy Spirit. Because he has overcome the world. Because the world ain't like this. So you need to overcome the mentality of the world. And the mentality of the world, as it is in our society, I mean, you know, we're Americans, we're the new Romans. And our founding documents state that you have an unalienable right to liberty for the pursuit of your happiness. So it's politically correct, and some people even consider it unpatriotic for anyone to mandate to any of us what we have to do. You know, when the Holy Spirit's in control, you obey Christ in spite of your pride, in spite of what culture does, in spite of history, in spite, I mean, you're, you're part of a new citizenship now. There is a bigger agenda. Now, let me illustrate that irrefutable idea. 
Uh, because uh, let's say that you were raised an only child and so you were spoiled rotten. And uh, uh, let's say you were spoiled, spoiled rotten anyway because I know you were. And, but, but then you enlist and now you're in the army and so what do you do? Well, you get up when they tell you to get up because nobody gets out of boot camp alive uh, unless they are a good soldier and they're submitted. Now, your parents may still kowtow to you, but your parents are not here. So when you join the army... The needs of America became the agenda. So what your officer orders, you submit to because it's an agenda that is bigger than you. Okay, you made it through uh, Reveille. Okay, but now it's lunchtime and now you discover why it is called mess hall. Because you know that you put down on the menu card KC Strip. But what they're giving you is a plate of beanie weenie. Then they assign you this uniform, and not only is it ugly, it's, it is operational camouflage pattern fatigues, but it takes away your personality. It makes you look just like everybody else. And, and you know, it's not your style because it makes your butt look big. I mean, that's why you don't buy suits off the rack. And... And it's not your color because, you know, you're more of a fall or a summer and it doesn't match the eyeshadow you like or the, the socks you want to wear. But the point is the officer gives, gives you an order. And when he says, put on your helmet today, it doesn't matter. You just got a new perm. You got a dress in uniform. So Christian, you got to take off the old man. I'm just telling you, you've got to put on your Easter dress the, the new man, and since, since we do put on Christ, we should all look like each other when we are armed in our armor and in uniform. So in the final analysis, and notice I'm not making this series eminently uh, theological or doctrinal. I want to make it eminently practical, not just a doctrinal study on the Holy Spirit, because number five, your relationships are what prove Holy Spirit filling. This is a produce of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit takes over, he baptizes you with supernatural ability to submit in your church relationships, in your human relationships, so they flow right and they glorify him. And they have to flow right because ministry runs on the rails of relationships. It's hard to minister to anybody if there is no relationship. So if the relationships are not right, then ministry does not run. And ministry is an agenda that is a whole ways bigger than your personal preference or even your individual happiness. So three relationships prove that you have the filling of the Holy Spirit. First, look at verse 22. Wives, submit to yourselves and your own husbands. How? As unto the Lord. Okay, relationship number one is marriage. You fear the Lord, so you submit... So that in the same way, verse 25, husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You love your wife because you are responding to the Lord. And if you forget that, then as soon as you are not controlled by the Spirit, you unglorify the Lord. But if both of you are controlled by the Spirit, then there is nothing that you cannot overcome. Uh, Go to Ephesians 6. Look at Ephesians 6 now. No marital conflict is so bad or so deep 
that if I can get both people to be controlled by the Holy Spirit, it will not be overcome. It, automat- it absolutely will be overcome as long as I can get both people to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. So I would say this, I won't ever fail you in counseling. I'll promise you that. But you may fail counseling. Counseling won't fail you if it's biblical counseling, but you may fail counseling. And the only reason your problem looks insurmountable is you are trying to battle the problem and getting offended over the problem instead of being filled with the Spirit in response to the problem. So the only reason that your problem is insurmountable is because you do not have supernatural help. The the Holy Spirit gives the power of mutual submission. Why? Because the cause of Christ is so much more important than our happiness. So, chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Relationship number 2 is family. Verse 4, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. In a biblically functional family, everybody's under somebody. I mean, Christ is under God, so the husband is under Christ, and the wife is under the husband, and children are under the mother, and the father has a special submission in his relationship to them all. So next, verse 5, servants. Okay, this is letter C. Relationship number 3 is employment, because everyone who has a job knows they are a slave. So, verse 5, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ. Because the ultimate issue is having Christ in your character and therefore showing him in your career. So likewise, verse 9, and ye masters do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven. And oh, by the way, there's no respect to persons with him. So ultimately, God is in charge, and even masters have a master, but we cannot talk about the Holy Spirit without realizing there's a bigger agenda than us. So our final point for study is this. There is a mega agenda. There is a super agenda of the glory of God through his son Jesus by his body, this church, being controlled by his spirit. And if you're controlled by the Spirit, then some products emanate. The first is baptism. It brings you boldness to witness. The second is filling, making your body his temple. The third one is flowing by validating your praise in practice. The fourth one is your submission to the mission of ministry. And the final one is being filled in your marriage, family, and work as a manifestation of your profession of faith in Jesus. My time is up. I thank you for yours. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The question from the pulpit today is, what will you do with the message that the Holy Spirit has exposed to you this morning? What have you done with Jesus? You say, Alan, I didn't know he was lost. Well, he ain't lost. You're lost. I mean, if you don't know Jesus, you're lost. What have you done with him? He's knocking on your heart's door today. Has God put you in Christ and therefore put the Holy Spirit in you? All you have to do do to receive new life today is pray. I mean, you can just pray with me right now. Just pray your heart to God's heart. 
and say something like, God, today I see it. Today I see your grace is free because Christ's work on the cross is finished. So God saved me today for Jesus' sake. I trust Jesus today for eternal life. Here, Jesus, I give you my life. And if you pray that today, will you thank Jesus for answering your prayer by coming to the front afterwards and letting us know? That way we can rejoice with you and I can just take one more minute to give you a little booklet I wrote on next steps for new believers. I want you to grow in your faith. I want you to grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Go ahead and stand and we're going to ask the praise team to sing us out today. Next Sunday is National Back to Church Sunday. And what I'm going to preach is hope lives here. From Romans chapter 8, hope lives here. And next Sunday, we're going to announce to everyone that you can get to come with you. We're going to tell them about our We Care Day on October 2nd, Saturday, October 2nd, We Care Day. And there's going to be a lot of financial screenings and health screenings and services offered up here on that day. We want to invite the community and I want to invite the people you bring next Sunday. So this is not just life to you. This means eternal life to others. Maybe, you, maybe you're uncertain about your testimony and you're uncertain about how to witness to others and you're just shy and introverted. Okay, invite them to church where they can hear the gospel then. Don't miss out on this. So come up here to the front if we can help you. Praise team, sing us out.
a great week. Love you guys. See you next week. Same place, same time. Love you guys. Invite somebody to church. The National Baptist Church Sunday. Love you guys.